0: love of God in Christ was him laying down his life for you on Calvary it's the greatest love of all for every good love gives to its own and Christ gave to you Christ gave his own dear blood for you Christ gave his soul for you on Calvary he poured it out as an offering for sin and the cross is the crowning proof of God's love
1: Hello, welcome to Graceful Truth, the weekly radio program originating from the pulpit teaching ministry of Grace Bible Church located here in Redwood City, revealing God's grace through God's truth. Well, as today is Valentine's Day, we've got a special series we begin with today's broadcast simply entitled, God is Love a biblical understanding of the love of God, going through the seven elements of God's love. We hope to cover at least a couple of them today, the fact that it is gracious, is eternal, and it is unlimited, as well as saving. We would invite you to join us for today's broadcast and be encouraged in God's love. Here now with today's edition of Graceful Truth, Pastor Stephen Converse.
0: Happy Valentine's Day. Today is February 14th, the world celebrates that, as Valentine's Day, and I thought this morning we would talk about a subject that relates to Valentine's Day, the love of God, the love of God, and that'll be our title for our message this morning, the love of God. But before we get into the message, uh, just real quick, do you know how Valentine's Day got started? Well, there's different origins to this day, but uh, one of them is when there was a priest by the name of Valentine. And he lived in Rome about 250 AD, and at that time, Rome was ruled by an emperor who was named Claudius II. Some even called him Claudius the Cruel, because he wasn't a very nice man. And this individual, St. Valentine, didn't like him very much either, and a lot of people felt the same way. The emperor wanted a large army, and he saw something in the way of recruiting a large army, and that was that men were attached to their wives and their girlfriends. So he passed a law and outlawed marriage, believe it or not. And uh, St. Valentine, being a priest, one of the favorite things that he did was marry people. And so he thought the, the, the rule was ridiculous, the law was ridiculous, and he kept marrying people anyway. Well, eventually the emperor found out about it. One night he heard footsteps of soldiers outside his residence. They came and took valentine away and they threw him in prison basically after that history says that uh, there was a lot of young people and people who were in support of valentine they came to visit him to the at the prison and they threw flowers and they threw notes up to his window they wanted him to know that they too believed in love and and they thought it was ridiculous the emperor outlawed marriage as well well one of these young people was a daughter of a prison guard Her father allowed her to visit Valentine in his cell. And they would sit and talk for hours on end. And came the day that he was sentenced to be executed. History says that he left her a note thanking her for her friendship and her loyalty. And he signed it, love from your Valentine. And that note apparently started the custom of exchanging cards and gifts and whatnot on valentine's day it was written on that day that he died february 14th 269 a.d so this is valentine's day a lot of people think about different things but one thing that we do think about is love and so i thought what a uh, a great day to focus on the love of god and uh, you can turn in your bibles to first john i just want to read a couple verses for you first john chapter 4 First John chapter 4, and we read the, this in verse 8. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Verse 16, the same chapter says, So we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. See, today, beloved, unfortunately, in our society and even in the church, very few people, biblically speaking, really have a grasp of what the love of God is entails what the love of God involves turn over to the book of Ephesians with me to chapter 3 Ephesians chapter 3 and I just want to read a couple verses out of here that also speak of the love of God Ephesians chapter 3 beginning in verse 14 and here we find a prayer of the apostle Paul for the church of Ephesus and we can apply this prayer as well to ourselves and it's almost as if Paul was praying for us And the Holy Spirit obviously inspired him to write this. And so uh, it's God's desire and God's sovereign will for every child of God, you could say. Well, look at what he says here in verse 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ, look at this, may dwell in your hearts through faith that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge." that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Beloved, the love of God is a tremendous subject. It's a vast subject, and we're just barely going to scrape the surface of this subject this morning. But it's also extremely misunderstood. I think very few people, biblically speaking, really understand, really have a grasp of what the love of God involves. We've seen it twice here this morning in the text out of First John chapter 4. Those words, those three words, God is love. Many have said throughout the ages that to know the love of God as a human being here on earth is indeed heaven upon earth. Paul's prayer for his church was that every single believer under heaven would know by the spirit of revelation and knowledge the great love that God has for us and for every believer. That's my prayer this morning. I pray that as we go through this study, that you would come to understand the love that God has for you. And when we say God is love, I want us to understand it's not in denial of His other attributes. God is love. That's a wonderful statement. Notice it says God is love, not He is like love. But God himself is love. But even that statement is not the truth about the God we serve. For God has many different attributes. There are many things that we can say about God. God is love. The world flips that around. And they want to say, love is God. Today we live in a world that serves love, the God of love. And they're speaking of that affection or that action of the will that shows that we're concerned or have compassion for those around us. So when they say love is God, they worship love itself, not the God which it represents. And so it's not the denial of any of God's attributes. It doesn't mean that God is love and everything else falls to the wayside. But the word of God is simply saying that this great attribute of love is more than simply an attribute. It's a declaration of who God is. It's a declaration of God's nature. God is love. It's the summing up of what God is to every believer, to every person who has come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ through his death, we can truly say to me, God is love. We know that God's faithfulness is over all his attributes. Everything that God does, everything that God is, is faithful. We could also think of it this way, that that God's love is is like a giant umbrella, a giant arch over every of his operations, over every of his attributes. That the love of God is the nature that makes possible everything. Everything that he is. Everything that he does. Everything that he has. And because he has no beginning, his love has no beginning. And because he's over everything, he's transcendent. He's above all. He is beyond our limits. His love truly is beyond our limits. Because he is holy, he is spotless, he is pure. His love is pure. His love is reliable. His love is perfect, because that's who he is. Many who talk about the love of God don't even know the love of God in their life. They've never experienced it through the Lord Jesus Christ. They think that the love of God is something that He just pours out on humanity indiscriminately and that He blesses people regardless of whether they're His children or whether they're children of the devil. It makes no difference because God is love. doesn't matter how you're living your life. God is just going to love you. It would be foolish to look at those three words, God is love, and forget what else the Bible says about God. Scripture teaches this also In John 4, 24, that God is spirit. That's his nature. He's made up of spirit. He doesn't have a body. In 1 John 1, 5, it says God is light. So God is not just love, but God is also spirit. God is light. And why do I cover this ground before we actually get into the subject of God's love? Because I think in our society today, unfortunately, and even in the church, the love of God is something that's weak. The love of God is something that's indulgent, something that's sickly, Sentimental it 's worth less than many of the loves that we show one toward another it 's below all that, but i 'm here to tell you this morning, the love of God is not in, indulgent it 's not soft it 's not divorced from his morality, his justice, his holiness for god 's love is a holy love because God is a holy god god 's love is a perfect love it 's a spotless love it 's a just love because that 's who our God is. We serve a God who loves righteousness and hates iniquity. And unfortunately, like everything else in life, Hollywood comes up with this counterfeit. And it's the way the world perceives love. Let us not perceive the love of God the way the world does. In Romans 5.5, 5, it clearly tells us. The Apostle Paul wrote, And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. It says the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. Notice, it doesn't say a love for God, but it says the actual love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts. What's that mean to be shed abroad? It means that word means to be poured out. It means to be tipped up and poured out like you had a a water jug and you were going to pour water into a cup. It's used, that same word is used of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost when the Holy Ghost came and baptized all those believers. And when Paul is, what Paul is saying here is that love is poured in like that into the child of God. One translation puts it this way, God's love has flooded our inmost heart. See, it's a free flow of the large quantity of God's love. You're almost inundated with God's goodness and his love. That word poured out or shed abroad there, it's also in the perfect tense in the original language, which simply means this. It was settled at one point in time. It's a completed action, but it has ongoing results. Here in California, are kind of in the midst of a drought, but it's been raining recently, right? I mean, we've been getting a lot of rain, and everybody wants to know, where's the reservoir? Where's the level on the reservoir? Well, you get one big storm, and it could pretty much top off that reservoir. And you're going to live with the results of that one day, that one big storm, maybe an entire summer. So even though it took one storm to fill up the reservoir, the results of that one storm are continuous. That's the way God's love is. The love of God has been shed abroad in our heart. It's been poured out in our hearts. And that's what I want us to meditate upon this morning, the love of God. Let me ask you this morning, I don't know where you're at in your faith. Has that love, that love of God that we've been speaking of been tipped up? In your heart? Has it been poured out in your heart? Has it been infused into your being? Have you received into your life the inundation of the love of God flooding your inmost heart? Well, let's look at some elements of the love of God. Look at some descriptions of this love. And in no way are we able to cover. The love of God this morning in this message. We're just going to scratch the surface if I said. Well, the first thing I want to look at is the love of God is a gracious love, isn't it? The love of God is a gracious love. That's the nature of love itself, grace. Grace and mercy. Grace is is God giving us something we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding from us something that we do deserve. And if you read throughout history, the Greek and Roman gods were very much made into the image of man. They were brought down to their level. They fought battles and they had relations and they had all these things and they were brought down to an equal plane with man. That's where we get the idea of mythology, of all these weird characters. Well, our God is not so. Our God is far above us so beyond us that Paul, the Apostle Paul, even has to invent another word to describe God's great love. He invented the word agape. For this is a love that's above human love. It's above the love for family. It's above phileo love, a love of friendship. It's above the sexual love a husband and wife share within the confines of marriage, eros love. See, this is a transcendent love of God. It's a gracious love because the Bible says the objects of God's love, you and I, at one point in time, we were objects of his wrath. Isn't that amazing? At one point in time, we were objects of God's wrath. Now we are objects of this incredible love of God. It's a gracious love. See, when we love other people, we tend to love people for who they are. If they're related to us, what they like, their likes and dislikes, if they're good looking, if they're nice to us, well, then we're going to show love toward them. But see, that's not the kind of love we're talking about here when it comes to God's love. Because God's love is a gracious love. This is an agape love. This is the love above all loves that he shows toward us. The Bible says, and that while we were yet still sinners, in Romans 5, 8, God loved us. What a love that is. He loves us right the way we are. I don't know about you, but that just gives me a thrill. To know that someone is out there that loves me for who I am, the way I am doesn't expect change, doesn't expect me to become something I'm not, doesn't expect me to live up to some expectation. The love of God is a gracious God, beloved. It reaches the unlovely. It reaches the unlovable. And they have inherited a free, unearned, unmerited grace. And you know what? It's also unqualified. There's nothing in you. There's nothing in me that could warrant God loving us. There's nothing in us that would attract God to us. As a matter of fact, the Bible speaks very clearly about this, that to be honest, everything in us would repel anything holy, would repel anything righteous, anything good. And yet God, in his grace, because he's a gracious God and he possesses a gracious love, has come to us. That's why Paul could write in Romans 7, 8, in my flesh, in me, this is... The greatest apostle who ever lived dwells no good thing. We're basically a mass of corruption, a mass of depravity and sin and iniquity. But the Bible says that God has lavished his love towards us, even though we were sinners. What a gracious love. Even in Deuteronomy, in the Old Testament, chapter 7, verse 7, he said this about Israel. The Lord did not set his love on you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than the other people, for you were the least of all peoples but because the Lord loves you and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers. In other words, you know what? It's got nothing to do with who you are. It's got nothing to do with what you've done. God's love is a free, unmerited grace poured into the heart of a degenerate depraved sinner. Right now would be a good time for an amen or a hallelujah. What a gracious God we serve. What a gracious love this is. That's why we can read in 1 John 4 19 when it says we love him because he first loved us. Don't ever get that order turned around. We love him because he first loved us. People like to switch that around. You know what if he hadn't loved you in grace you would have never loved him but he poured his grace upon you he loved you as the hymn says "ere you knew him before you had an ounce of love for him he loved you you know what he can't love you anymore isn't that a wonderful message to hear he can't love you more based on anything about yourself you can't earn it all you have to do is learn more and more about the love of god that gracious love well secondly not only is god's love gracious but it's eternal it's eternal. God's love is not only gracious, but it's eternal. We find that in scripture, God is eternal. It tells us that all over the place. So if God is eternal, his love, because God is love, must be eternal, because everything that he is is eternal. In Jeremiah thirty-one three, it says, Yes, I have loved you with a what? With an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. I mean, that just proves the point that nothing, it has nothing to do with you. He loved you before there was even a you there. Do you know that? God, when only God in his foreknowledge knew that there would be a you, God loved you. Ephesians 1.4 clearly states, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, having predestined us, to adopt to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace. See, so many people get hung up on the doctrine of election, on the doctrine that says God chose you before there was even a you there. They get hung up on that. And they really miss the joy of that truth, that love that God has is an eternal love. It proves that He loved us before we were ever even born. And His love had no beginning in time. And His love will have no ending in time. And there's nothing I can do, think, act. There's no place I can go to be too far away from God that His eternal love cannot reach me. I don't know about you, but that thrills my heart. It's a gracious love. It's an eternal love. Thirdly, it's an unlimited love. You can't fathom it, the great depth of His love. You can never delve the depths of God's love, nor its heights. You can never climb, scale it. You can never measure its length or its height, for it says the love passes all knowledge. That's what we read from Ephesians, right? In Ephesians 2, 4, it says, His great love with which He loved us. In Ephesians 3, verses 18 and 19, it says, May we be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. See, our God, beloved, is a transcendent God. That means that He's above everything. And you see that God is above everything, therefore His love is above everything too. It's beyond us. I pray this morning you might just get a glimpse of the love of God that He has for you, that you would begin to see this morning just a glimpse of the breadth and the length and the depth and the height of God's love. We can't even really begin to comprehend it or even contemplate this great love. We sang the song this morning, How great is your love? How high, how deep, how wide, how deep, how long, how sweet and how strong is your love? How lavish your grace, how faithful your ways, how great is your love, O Lord. What a gracious love. What an eternal love. What an unlimited love. Well, fourthly, God's love is a saving love. God's love is a saving love. If you don't hear anything else, please hear this this morning. In First John three sixteen it reads this by this we know love because he laid down his life for us first John three sixteen. That's the highest expression of love ever in the entire world. And that is the way that God has displayed, that He has demonstrated His love. It's an expression of the love of God. It's a representation of His love. Second Corinthians two 519 says that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself. That eternal God, that gracious God, that unlimited God, that transcendent, sovereign, eternal, powerful, holy God was in Christ. He was in Christ. That's what the incarnation, that's what Christmas is all about. That God was in Christ. He is God, King of kings and Lord of lords. Romans 8.32 says he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We've had a recent increase in new babies in our church. Praise God. Grow this church one way or another. But with those new babies comes the responsibility of that mother. And that baby is totally dependent on that mother, on the milk in her breast for nourishment. And sometimes when you look at a a mother who's just had a baby, you can tell, boy, they're tired. They may be even weak. They may even look tired. And they're continuing to give nutrition from their body to this little infant that they hold in their arm. What kind of mother would it be that looks at that little infant feeding on the breast and says, You know what? I'm done with this. Go get your own milk. (laughs) I'm too tired. Mother wouldn't do that. A mother constantly looks down into those shining eyes of that little infant with happiness and with pride. And they're willing to pour out themselves, all their energies, all that nutrition goes into that little baby. She's laying down her life for that child, literally. And the Word of God says that no greater love has no man than this, that that a man lays down his life for his friend. The love of God in Christ was him laying down his life for you on Calvary. It's the greatest love of all. For every good love gives to its own. And Christ gave to you. Christ gave His own dear blood for you. Christ gave His soul for you on Calvary. He poured it out as an offering for sin. And the cross is the crowning proof of God's love. The Gospel of John chapter 3, verse 16, we know this well. Ten words of divine revelation from the very beginning of time to the ending of all time. God so loved the world that He gave His Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Think of that truth. This great God loved us. Who did He love? It says that He loved the world. How did He love? He gave. Well, who did He give? He gave His own Son. Why? that whosoever, that whosoever what? Believeth. And then here's the most important point. Shall have. Powerful word there, isn't it? Have. In other words, there's no doubt about it. Shall have everlasting life. See, this is a saving love we're talking about. And which is able to save to the uttermost all who come to him. I pray this morning that this great love, if you would only, my friend, let it be tipped, let it be poured, let the love of God inundate your heart, you would realize how great this love is that God has toward you. And if you doubt that love, if you doubt that God loves you, all you have to do is look at the cross. Look at Calvary, Think of that form hanging on that tree who once was a little baby in a manger who was given for a very strategic purpose who was sent into the world to be the savior of this world, and who's one day the blood that flowed through that little baby would later be shed for the sins of the world. What a love. What a saving love.
1: I'd also like to let you know that our Grace Bible Church Women's Ministry 2018 Spring Conference is coming up. And the author and guest speaker will be Cynthia Heald, known best for her best-selling Bible study, Becoming a Woman of Excellence. Now, the conference will take place out of 1 John chapter 2 and verse 6, Living Like Jesus. It's May 18th through the 19th. Friday the 18th at 7 p.m. through 8.30, and then Saturday the 19th at 9 a.m. through 2.30. It'll take place here at the church, 2225 Euclid Avenue, here in Redwood City. Breakfast is included as well as lunch. Total conference cost, just $20, with a love offering taken both Friday and Saturday evening. For more information, visit our website, gracebibleonline.org, or give us a call at 650-650. 366-9923. Again, that's 650-366-9923. We thank you for joining us today and trust we'll see you again next week at this same time for another broadcast of Graceful Truth.